Thank you, Cindy. Sure is good to see Miss Ida here this morning. I know a number of you guys have been able to hug her neck, and what a joy. It's a blessing. Well, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, um, and of course, uh, the message we get all the time in our culture is wanting to find that perfect person, man, that can just turn your life around, and that can fulfill your every desire and whim, and just complete you, and take away your troubles. And I, I, I sat down yesterday, and um Trying to think what channel it was. I think it was FX. They had a continual love movie thing, and I got sucked into this movie called Maid of Honor, M-A-D-E. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it's about this guy that was a jerk. And he would just go from woman to woman to woman, but his best friend was a, was a lady, and when she went to Scotland, he realized, hey, I think I love her. The only trouble was she met the perfect man. I mean, this guy had everything. He was a duke, so he was rich. Um, it seemed like everything, he was just perfect. And so he was really in trouble. So he went over there and he wanted to break it up and he had about given up. But in the end, um, they ended up together. And I'll never forget a quote that she said uh, to this guy. She said, it's not your fault. She says, you're like the perfect guy. You're just not the perfect guy for me. And we we pursue love. I mean, let's just be honest. It says in the Scriptures, Proverbs 19.22, what a man desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. We want to be loved. We want to know that somebody is there for us when everybody else walks out of our lives. We want to be adored and cuddled and all of that stuff. But there's only one that will be there, no matter what. That we can toast, trust, toast. Where'd that come from? Must be thinking about food or a head breakfast. That we can trust totally without reservation. And of course, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. But uh, I want to open up uh, today. We'll look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 this morning as we talk about His love and what He's given to us and Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I'm going to ask when that, you find that passage if you'll stand in God's honor as I read from the Scripture. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. 
Lord, here we are. A people who need to be loved, who know they are loved. And the gospel makes it clear that we are loved. That you did everything possible to show us your love. And that you simply want to bestow that love upon us. You want to pour it out. So Lord, I just pray this morning that we'd be reminded of that. And that we would not fight so against you, Lord. But that we would simply allow your love to cover us. And to fill us. And to flow through us. And God, I just ask that you would speak. Lord, uh, we need you, Lord. Thank you for ministering to us so far in this hour. Continue. In your name we pray. Amen. As you look in the Bible, guys, there are a number of contrasts. There is light and dark. There is the concept of accepting and rejecting. There is grace and law, life and death, heaven and hell, love and hate, faith and works, freedom and bondage. In almost every one of these contrasts, the one factor that's determining and where we are in life is God. He is the one who makes the difference in which side, which point of contrast. The highest elevation in the United States is Mount Whitney. Very high mountain peak. And you climb to the top and you have an awesome view. The air is thinner up there. The water pure. And it's just a, a amazing place with a point of view you find nowhere else. Because you're high. You're above all. 80 miles away is the lowest place in the United States. A place where it's easy to become dehydrated and to get sunstroke. A place we know as Death Valley. 80 mile difference to the highest and the lowest place. From a spiritual point of view, there is a place above And we travel there only through Jesus Christ. We arrive there and we're placed there only through Jesus. But we start out in a death valley of sorts. A low spot. And we we have the concept, we have the idea, guys, that somehow we are not, as the scriptures say here, dead, but only wounded. (laughs) But it says here in verse 1, as for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. We have the idea that, well, if only somebody could climb out of Death Valley, they could find what is necessary to be revived and and to to gain strength. But the only problem with that is dead people don't get up and dead people don't walk and dead people aren't able to get out of a difficulty. Or other people have the concept that it's not just death... But it's disease. But it doesn't say anything here about being diseased. It doesn't say anything about a grave sickness that keeps one from spiritually following God. It doesn't talk about sin sick hearts. It talks about being dead spiritually. Unable to respond to God. And and not only death. Some people talk about it as if it's a disability. The only trouble is it doesn't say anything about we're disabled spiritually, or we're dysfunctional, a favorite word of our day. 
It doesn't speak about any of those things, but it says that we are simply without spiritual life. That's where we start. Uh, Ray Stedman tells a story of one of his church members who uh, was a mortician. And he, he took Ray into the funeral home and he opened a casket of the body they had just prepared for funeral. And he said, go ahead, Ray, lead him to Christ. No response. Why? Because he's He's dead. But in a spiritual sense, that's exactly where the Scriptures say that you and I are, guys. You see, don't kid yourself. When the crowds were there, and there was Jesus and there was Barabbas, and the speech was given, and who do you select? And they said, we select Barabbas. And we said, man, how could they select a guy that was such a crud ball, such a criminal, such a killer, such a menace to society instead of Jesus, the only one who's holy and pure? Don't kid yourself. You, If you and I were there, we'd be part of that crowd. Apart from the power of God, we could not see the truth of God and we would be misguided and we'd follow the ways of the world. Don't kid yourselves. We would be part of that crowd that crucified Jesus on the cross. Apart from God's work in our lives, apart from Him supplying spiritual life, apart from Him waking us up and, and breathing life into us. You may say, hey, look, man, I'm a good person. I work. I'm responsible. I even exercise a little. Try not to eat bad food too often. Hey, you can count on me. I help my neighbor some, but it's not about what you do in your measuring yourself against other people. It's it's about where you are spiritually. And the Bible says that you're dead. Lifeless. Now, looking at this, uh, in the Scriptures here, verse 1, notice it, dead in your transgressions and sins. Man, just totally enslaved. Thus, in verse 2, Condemned. Or, or verse 3, condemned, uh, and verse 2, enslaved, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of there. The spirit of who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's, that's where we are. What a bleak assessment. Powerless to climb out of there. And God gives this spiritual x-ray and from His perspective. That's where we are. The three things that were enslaved in the ways of the world were obedient to demonic influences, as you see there in verse 2. The ruler of the kingdom of the air is, has his way within our life, whether we realize it or not. And what drives us is these cravings, these insatiable appetite of the sinful nature. And, and you know, it's interesting because many times people talk about, I'm different, I want to be different, and yet as you look at them, just like everybody else. You know, they do this stuff to stand out in the crowd, and before long, they're part of the crowd. The, there is this longing, this desire to, to go with a pack, and, and where the sinful nature is at work in us. And, and uh, that's what he's talking about here, that the evil one's at work, and he's manipulating minds, and he's desiring to get a hold of our wheels, and he grabs our emotions by the throat, and that we follow the cadence of the march as if we're zombies. And we're like zombies, walking dead people. 
And we need to be set free. Don't even realize it. Uh, Jeremy Bentham, a British philosopher and social reformer, he died in 1832. He was quite a character. Uh, he made a request that when he died that they would embalm his body and they would sit him in a chair that many of the students of the college were used to him seeing him teach from. He had his walking stick. They put him in a cabinet with a glass front. And his request, now I don't know if this is just legend or if they really did this at the college, but suppose that the college, when it came time for um, the leadership to come together and to vote on issues, they would wheel Jeremy Bentham's body into the meeting and they would call out uh, the different ones and uh, someone would speak and say, Jeremy Bentham, present but not voting. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's according to legend with Jeremy Bentham. But you know, in a spiritual sense, there are many out there. Guys who are in the world, they're functioning, they're living, but as far as spiritually, they're without life. They don't even know that they're zombies in this land and, and in this world. And, and God wants to change that. That's what God's love is about. He wants to, He wants to take us from death to life. Man, in this world, people, you know, the idea is just to get more toys and the one who has the most toys wins. And, and there's this pursuit of, of, of just getting more things, more money, more power. And, and often in the business world, you're looked at as a freak if you choose your family over fortune and over gaining power because that's the ways of the world. Or that the idea of love is self fulfillment. It's lust and it's stepping outside of God's plan of, of marriage and, and somehow finding sexual satisfaction in any way you choose. But that's that's not the way of fulfillment. That's not God's way. Or seeking pleasures through drugs or or just trying to find that ultimate thrill, that ultimate high and, and that search. And But God sets us free from all of that. And notice here it says that He he, he raised you up. Man, I, I love that in the Scripture. As you look at that, how He, he raised us up and he, he seated us in His power. It says in uh, verse 5, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Verse 6, He raised us up with Christ. He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. That's His love at work and that's, that's how He worked. Guys, He didn't, at some say, He didn't meet us halfway. He went all the way. That's what the cross is about. It's not about us doing some of the work and God doing some of the work. It's about God doing all the work in His love and meeting us. It's about Him handpicking us because of His love and stepping out of the comforts of heaven and coming here and living the perfect life, dying on a cross, being placed in a tomb, being raised from the dead and giving us the very life that He has. You know, as, as a preacher, there's a, a longing... And the desire, you want everybody to follow God. And at some point you realize that why, whereas you may be able to convince some people, it doesn't last unless God's Spirit convicts people. The Holy Spirit's got to convict and grab a hold of us. And then that sin must lead us to repent and turn to Him. And, and that comes by placing our faith there, guys. It's like sitting in a chair and you sit in a chair and you depend on it to hold your weight. 
and we come to God by faith and we trust Him and we depend upon Him to carry the weight to hold us securely, to save us, to set us free. That's what He does. And you have to believe, you have to trust in what God has said because He's God and you can depend on Him. You can depend on God because of who He is. Imagine if um, I invited some famous preacher here and he was getting ready to come and to preach and I introduced him and I introduced him like this. I said, this man is as gifted a speaker as you'll ever hear. He truly is a wordsmith who crafts words together like a master artist applies paints to an easel. He's able to communicate ideas in such a compelling manner that he grabs your attention by the throat and seizes your emotions. The only problem is that you can't believe a word of what he has to say. Wouldn't that just ruin whatever he has to say? I mean, you'd wonder, what? Why did he, why did God say that about this guy? May we not treat God that way. May we not say, well, can I trust God? <laughs> Is God dependable? Will God come through? Is God faithful? Man, that's what life's all about. The grave was empty. And that's why we can trust Him. He's alive. We can depend on Him. We can place our full confidence in Him. I love Numbers twenty three nineteen in the uh, New Century Translation. It says, God's not a human being and He will not lie. He's not a human and He does not change His mind. What He says He will do, what He promises He makes come true. That's our God. That's the one we can trust in. It's not because my mother was sincere or my dad was a preacher. It's not because of the amount of money I give, how active I am in my church. It's because of Christ. May we not be fooled into thinking that those who are spiritually dead have it together. And that's the pursuit. You know, it says in Proverbs twenty three seventeen. Don't let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord. They may appear to have it all together, but I guarantee you deep down in their hearts, they're hurting. And I've been around long enough and been around people long enough where I've seen a lot of pain in people. And Jesus is the only one to help us in the pain, help us through the pain. Notice I didn't say there would be no pain, but to help us through the pain. So just understand... Understand that what looks good is not so good. This is a, a poem by Richard called Richard Corey by Edward Arlington Robinson that was written in 1897. He says, uh, Whenever Richard Corey went downtown, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a gentleman from soul to crown, clean favored and imperially slim. And he was always quietly arrayed, and he was always human when he talked. But still he fluttered pulses when he said, Good morning. And he glittered when he walked. And he was rich, yes, richer than a king, and admirably schooled in every grace. In fine, we thought he was everything to make us wish that we were in his place. So on we worked, and waited for the light, and went without the meat and cursed the bread. And Richard Corey, one calm summer night, went home and put a bullet through his head. Um, there's a lot of people out there that look like they have it together who don't and are hurting so bad they won't willing to just get out of here. Just take their lives. Don't be fooled. The only security, the only hope, the only trustworthy one is Jesus Christ. One uh, final thought and I'm I'm finished. 
At the core of everlasting relief is an understanding and receiving of His love through His grace. It's always there, guys. You say, why does God love me? Guys, I don't I can't answer why He loves me. I'm just grateful He does. When I see myself to Him and how holy He is, you know, I feel like a dirt speck. But isn't it awesome that He said, I'll wash you and I'll take you in as my kid and I'll love you. That's the gospel. And it's all about His grace. We're so easy to nitpick each other and to beat each other up. But we're His kids and He loves us and we need to live in that. That sense of being loved and loving one another. And that's just what we need. That's his heart. Uh, I want to share this quote with you that I had in my, my illustration notes. He came as a living person called Jesus. Talking, hurting, dying, coming to life again. His mission was to bring grace to the world. And so in deepest reality to make it all right precisely when things are all wrong. Grace. I love this right here. It is shorthand for everything God is and does for us in our tired, sinful, broken lives. I love that. Shorthand for everything God is and does in our broken lives. That's God's love poured out to us. I can't... A song that we all love that so beautifully expresses it. I'll read as, as I close... Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace, my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will shield. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. When we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun, we've no less day to sing God's praise than when we first began. Let's pray.